0: Plugged In Podcast, a new project from the Institute for Energy Research. To find out more about our work, visit our website at instituteforenergyresearch.org. Welcome to the Plugged In Podcast. I'm Alex Stevens, a policy analyst here at the Institute for Energy Research. Joining me today is Alan Gilmer, the founder of Drilling Info. Prior to starting Drilling Info in 1999, Alan was an independent oilman for seven years, co-founding three profitable exploration and production companies. Today, Alan is active in all aspects of Drilling Info's new product development and is widely recognized for his leadership and vision. He holds several patents in the field of component seismology, and he's one of the great entrepreneurs of the modern oil and gas industry. Alan, thanks for taking the time to speak today. Glad to be here. Tell me about your career before uh, you started drilling info. How did your work as a geophysicist lead to you founding the company?
1: Well, I, uh, you know, uh, worked for a big oil company, Marathon Oil Company, as a geophysicist, and uh, left there, uh, left them in 1993 to go out on my own. I started a, a seismic company to go shoot and acquire, acquire, process, and interpret uh, 3D seismic surveys in return for working interest. And we were the very first. To ever go do that. and um, you know, and you know just always trying to figure out ways of how to how could I go lever my way into the oil business because i I did not have a a big bankroll or what have you. and um, and uh, and that was uh, my first foray as an independent. so it was uh, and and as such, I was having the, I was taking deals from everybody and everywhere from the Canadian border to the Mexican border. And I found that I was uh, very dependent. On the people I was taking deals from in order to uh, get the data necessary to do the due diligence. And there's a lot of moral hazard, a lot of moral hazard uh, involved in that, and uh, that whole piece. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think that's something we'll get into: is how drilling info and the information you guys provide there, uh, how much that's uh, changing things in the industry. Why don't you just give our listeners a quick summary of what drilling info does? I think most of our list listeners are. It's probably split between people who are interested in policy issues and industry people. Um, so there's probably a lot of people who are familiar with you guys. If you could just run through like the services you provide and maybe just a quick history of the company.
1: Sure. I think uh, you know, drilling info today it really resembles that uh, that joke about uh, you know six blind people trying to describe an elephant. And uh, you know based on where you touch it, you have a different opinion of what it, drilling info really does. But how it started and what we were really trying to do. Is we were trying to collect enough information, collecting an active database of information that really could be used to describe the ecosystem of the whole oil and gas patch. And we started, uh, you know, in the in the lower 48, and we've expanded that to the world. And and the more that we can, the more pieces of information we collect, the more workflows that we can model, uh, the more software we can build around that on a SaaS basis to. uh, to help kind of define, make uh, make better decisions. Uh, that's really kind of our motto is uh, better, faster decisions. And so, information is core to that. And you know, we walked into a world in which uh, was filled with empty software and raw data, and you had to figure out how to make all of it fit together to to ask a static question. And we just flipped that on its head. And said let's let's go collect data, let's go build software around it, and let's make it active. And you know and and, and and multi-tenant, and um, and that was what started us, and that was what made us the, uh, you know, fastest and uh, biggest uh, SaaS software uh, uh, in the in the oil and gas industry, and most quickly and widely adopted uh, software application in the history of the oil business.
0: Yeah, prior to platforms like Drilling Info, one of the big challenges and costs in the oil and gas industry was access to information, and. Uh, Local knowledge about specific formations and drill sites, it's a big part of the oil and gas recovery process. So like, in my view, Drilling Info's biggest contribution has been making all that information sort of a little bit more democratic so more people have access to it. Can you talk a little bit more about what the, uh, what the industry was like before big data and how things have changed?
1: Yeah, if you were an independent, for instance, you probably worked a two or three county area because that was really all you could really know you know, who were the service providers, what were they doing, what were the producing formations and things like that. It was only bigger companies, you know, kind of, you know, big companies that that could go and build uh, build uh, frameworks to be able to look and explore and to produce in various different uh, basins and areas. And that was uh, the only way they really got that was to uh, hire the people necessary that had that experience in their company to go do that. and. Uh, you know, so it was a very, very different world when we started this around 2000. And, uh, and you know, and, and I think today yeah, everybody takes for granted the fact that you can work pretty much anywhere you want to uh, in any basin you want to. And getting up to speed in any basin is uh, relatively easy. And I like to think that we were uh, we were, you know, kind of fundamental in, in bringing that that expectation to the market.
0: Yeah. In response to a lot of the growth and innovation, you um... It's been a lot of discussion about the data that we use in uh, in the industry there. People have been rethinking old metrics. Uh, the best example is probably the weekly oil rig count. Could you explain Drilling Info's role in all of that? And what are some other metrics that uh, you believe the industry should be rethinking?
1: Well, I, I think most, uh, you know, the reality is that, you know, the, the, the Baker Hughes recount is is still a standard. I mean, it, it drives the market based off of their uh, the, the the number that they put out weekly and uh, uh, and as, as a uh, as a kind of a, a, a metric with regards to which direction things are going. I mean, it's it's amazing. I, I think it's ama- There's a lot of different metrics in which, especially for price of oil, people that speculate price of oil. Are uh, they depend on very very weird incomplete pieces of information to make these decisions? So I'd say that uh, uh, you know rig counts was always a picture of the health of the industry and and uh, you know for us it became as rigs got more efficient we needed to know you know we needed to know much more than just some sort of general pulse of an industry and as we started drilling more and more horizontals. Uh, those rig counts became more and more meaningless, and uh, and frankly, it's it's a big problem that the industry has. Uh, that the industry today is built around the price of oil and gas, and the people that speculate on the price of oil and gas, which, if you think about it, you know, a forward curve is just nothing more than a, a crowdsourced number that is uh, uh, rarely right and never right, actually. So, but it's a you know, and it's an interesting uh, kind of an interesting metric. But uh, these are driven, I mean, they're so, they're influenced by these snapshots of very tiny pieces of information uh, with regards to the global uh, supply demand uh, uh, that is so incomplete that it's just, uh, um, it's kind of insane to think that the biggest industry on the planet is driven by these tiny snapshots of stuff that people make these huge inferential leaps on.
0: Sure, and uh, we've incorporated your guys' daily rig count in our uh, morning uh, newsletter that we send out every day. Um, I've listened to a few other interviews that you've done. And one theme that has come up in every single one of those conversations has been transparency within the industry. And um, just interested to know how drilling info service and uh, your view on these different metrics play into your view on transparency in the industry
1: i believe you know uh, i have a strong strong belief that that markets free markets free market capitalism uh, depends on transparency and uh, you know a lot of people don't like transparency, especially those people that have access to information that they don't want anybody else to know about. And that is the story of business. But, you know, frankly, uh, the more that we, the more transparent that we can be as a business, uh, the important part is, is that it allows us to attract players into the business. And for this industry, that means independent oil and gas producers. You know, this is an industry that actually has 20, uh, you know, 23,000 upstream oil and gas, you know, upstream companies that serve the or serve the upstream and oil and gas, including operation, you know, close to 10,000 operators, and uh, that is a wonderful metric. It's it's so different than what most people think of as oil business, where they everybody thinks big oil, and uh, and uh, and I can't tell you how important that's been to the United States. Uh, it reduces the friction of every kind of, of of everything because you have a whole lot of people that are uh, being very clever trying to figure things out. And, uh, you know, our goal is to make sure that those people that want to participate in this industry can participate in this industry.
0: It's clear drilling info has done a lot to uh, in- stimulate competition in the industry. Um, I was, one of the questions I was going to ask you is about uh, who the typical users of your guys' services and stuff are—is it my, mainly independents, or uh, you guys have so many products that you know? It, it, I'm sure it's people in the financial world too. And
1: fifty percent of our fifty uh, percent uh, of our clients identify themselves as oil and gas producers, and the other fifty percent are everything from uh, oil field services to uh, uh, government entities to uh, 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 certainly the financial sector, which is both kind of on the sell and buy side, both on the, on the, uh, the analyst and, uh, the analysts across the board of the banks. We, uh, you know, we have, we're very, uh, very well represented. there, very strong uh, with regards to them. Uh, and, uh, you know, all the way down to guys putting deals together in their garage. I mean, that's, uh, and, uh, uh, Everybody from the largest oil company on the planet down to the smallest, and uh, and we're pretty proud of the of that reach. You know, we're uh, you know a lot of companies sit there and say, well, we're mid market or this that, or the other, and we're all market. We're uh, you know we uh, we look at people that are uh, producing, consuming energy, and uh, we serve them all. You know, one of the, one of the interesting things is we've been a, uh, you know, uh, I don't think people really quite realize this, but seventy uh, percent of the utilities in the United States use us. I uh, uh, use an artificial intelligence predictive analytics uh, 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 tool that we have to predict when they're going to actually need to cycle up gas plants or coal plants to be able to fill in the, 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 the supply and demand gap of uh, renewable energy. And, uh, you know, without without those kind of tools, we'd be seeing a lot more brownouts and blackouts rolling through the country.
0: Definitely in the Northeast and, uh, back in my home state in Michigan. And I know, uh, just a few weeks ago with the cold, it, uh, up in Minnesota, they were having problems with that. So I think another interesting thing that you guys do, uh, you guys don't just put all this information in a database. You guys have, uh, speaking engagements and your customers get access to online webinars. Um, do you want to just talk a little bit about that component and, uh, just upcoming events that you guys might have or, uh, anything that you're interested in talking about there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, uh, uh... We're always building out new tools, and we're always using those tools internally. You know, we have groups of analysts uh, that are that uh, that do a lot of consulting work for particular clients. Uh, we build out uh, uh, reports for people uh, in general that are. Uh, and you know, the big deal for us is we don't want it to be we don't nothing that we build out should be uh, uh, secret sauce. Shouldn't any be black box? You know, everything that we do. Uh, we provide the background. If if you want to go subscribe to that, you can go replicate those things and figure them out yourself. But uh, one thing we're really excited about is uh, this will be our second year of a project we we call the Disruptors uh, Conference. And that is uh, uh, the Disruptors Conference coming up in June. And that's where we try to bring people in from various different walks of life uh, that are involved in the energy side, both from a policy side, policy makers, people that have been involved in policy making, to the producers, to the technologists that are that are coming in with new different ways of uh, of producing, and uh, and and we bring in experts from uh, the environmental, you know, the environmental groups. Uh, uh, we bring in people from uh, uh, renewables, and uh, we have kind of Chatham House discussions about what's coming and what could be destroyed. You know. What could disrupt? You know, what could be disruptive on the whole deal? And uh, it's just a chance for people to lift their heads up from the next quarter or two quarters and think about things from a longer term point of view. And these are discussions; they're not people giving talks, so to speak. It's people with particular expertise driving discussions, and uh, and they can get quite heated. But it's pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty pretty fascinating. It's a great uh, great thing for us and. Of course, we participate in, in uh, also you know the the North American Prospect Expo is a big one for us. De- depending on you know on our trading and risk side, there's a big, uh, big conference in Germany. We we participate in and We're always we we always have someone somewhere. I think.
0: I think uh, events like that are great. Uh, here in Washington, there's sort of a narrative that basically says that fossil fuels and oil and gas are yesterday's technology yet in the past decade. Uh, we've pretty much seen that to be proven the exact opposite. Uh,
1: yeah. People don't like to get rid of their religion very easily. And it's, uh, uh and, un- and unfortunately there is a lot of that, uh, narrative out there and it's completely false. I mean, United States is the only, you know, country of any size. that's actually reduced its emissions consistently for the last you know, 15 years. And, uh, and we did that by basically transitioning from a, just changing the ratio of what we were using natural gas and coal for. And, you know, today, you know, we, we're in a situation where the United States is, uh, you know, is can produce gas at nearly a negative price. It's, it's a byproduct. And uh, and it's cleaner than hell. And and I don't understand why in the world we're not focused on how we go out there and export natural gas if, in fact, we really cared anybody, the U.N. or anybody actually really cared about emissions because we are the one group on the planet that didn't decimate our our economies. And we're the ones that actually made it happen. And it came from oil and gas, came from fracking.
0: What do you think explains that disconnect, though? You use the term uh, religion. I think it's just something that goes back to maybe the 70s oil crisis ever since then. It seems like from a policy standpoint, the goal has been to just move off of oil. Is that the religion that you're talking about, or is it something else there?
1: Yeah, I, I think that uh, there is a religion uh, in that. I think that uh, there's also been some pretty big businesses that have come around to to take advantage of that, and, and American taxpayer largesse with regards to subsidies of of things over the last 10 or 15 years as well. And, uh, and uh, you know, whenever business gets involved in any of these things and any time that government is uh, involves itself in terms of uh, getting a grip on the commanding heights, uh, funny things happen.
0: Yeah, looking down the road, what areas of the oil and gas industry are you most excited about? You mentioned earlier in our conversation here about some advanced technologies.
1: Well, we do a lot of uh, – AI and machine learning right here in our company. And, uh, you know, and uh, you know, what I think is funny, is there, there is a there is a disconnect between what it is, and the terms that are thrown around. You know, there's these the concepts of these magical things that that are out there that nobody quite understands, but they're going to change the world. Uh, and uh, the disconnect between that and what they're really doing is is, is pretty vast. But they are exciting. I mean, you know, what we are training machines to do, uh, how we are looking for patterns that, uh, that we could have never looked for otherwise, is really exciting. And I think with regards to blockchain, you know, I'm, I'm less enamored with kind of the currency, the cryptocurrency concept of it, as opposed to the distributed ledger aspect of it, and being able to go out there and manage assets, you know, especially legal assets in ways uh, that are uh, they can open up markets because you can uh, sell smaller increments of of projects or or things like that or or things that are focused on particular benches or what have you. I think there's a, a a whole lot to be done on all of that, and we're and we're you know very very early stages. You know anything that we can do to make the make this industry more liquid, the better it is.
0: Yeah. So my last question is, what do you see as being the big obstacles to? Uh, the adoption of these things and to further progress in the industry uh, either in terms of public policy or or other factors like uh, maybe culture within the industry or uh, whatever comes to your mind.
1: I don't think that there's huge impediments to other than the fact that this industry is amazingly complex and I don't think that and, and I and I put all of energy into this into this bucket and I don't th- I don't think that the normal American, understands the complexity of the supply chain of what keeps the lights on and what allows us to travel and what allows us to go out there and do everything. I mean, you know, frankly, uh, it is, it's mind boggling how, how big it is and how, and how few people really do appreciate it. So it's real easy to go out and talk about how we should replace it. (laughs) My God, it's (laughs) Once you get into the deep of it, it's really, really difficult, and uh, and you have to start you have to start in different pieces, and and that's the reason we built what we were doing 20 years ago, and continue to add to it is is because A connects to B, connects to C, connects to D, and then it all wraps around themselves and everything like that, and the more that you can collect, the more that you can start building these tools to go out there and radically change how you. How you do any one of these workflows, and uh, you know, today on on the on drilling info, for instance, somewhere somewhere drilling info applications over over a third of the global capex travels. So uh, we manage uh, the funding or the or you know the, the movement of information on uh, of company to company of a third of the global capex and the details of all those things and. And uh, there's just, it's amazing to think about what you can really do in terms of just building these tools, but you've got to go out there and have a system in which the data is structured appropriately and permissioned appropriately and all these things uh, that are, any one of which are kind of mind-numbing and uh, and uh, that's what we're great at. People are going to be looking back at, at today and seeing what, I mean, for instance, what we've been doing for the last you know, several years in terms of acquisitions and putting things together, and then they're going to say, aha, that's what the hell they were doing. And uh, that's the exciting part to me, because that's the reason I started the business, was how do we go out there and fundamentally change how we're doing things to make it more efficient? And the day that we can, the the, the day that we start mining this for cash will be the day that I leave, because... Uh, we have so much more to do with regards to making this a much better industry to be a part of.
0: I think that was a great place to end on. Where can people find a little bit more about uh, Drilling Info? Uh,
1: yeah, www.drillinginfo.com.
0: Okay, my guest today has been Alan Gilmer of Drilling Info. Alan, thank you again for your time today.
1: Hey, I sure appreciate it, and uh, thanks for all the hard work and great work to you guys are doing. Thank you.